0: Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, Episode 6.
1: On BitcoinAverage.com, a millibit is trading at 62 cents, which is the same as $620 per Bitcoin, up from last week's price of $590 per
0: Bitcoin. mm mm, mm. now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining us today as we podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love to talk about Bitcoins.
1: And share what we learn with you, the listener. Welcome to the show, and thanks for listening.
0: On today's show, Lydge and I talk with Rob Michael of CoinStacks.com about how to buy gold and silver with Bitcoin and the implications that has on the intrinsic value of Bitcoin.
1: Then we travel on a Bitcoin budget to Austin, for the Texas Bitcoin Conference and a short sample of what's to come over the next couple of weeks on
0: Bitcoins and Gravy. We also invite Matt Einhaber from Vista Abstract, a title company that enables people to buy and sell real estate with Bitcoin.
1: So stay right here for more from Bitcoins and Gravy.
0: Lidge and I are very happy to welcome to the show Rob Michael from Coinstacks. Rob, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. Thanks for having
1: me. Hey, Rob,
0: welcome. This is Lidge. So
1: is there any relation to the famous record label Stax Records in your name choice there?
2: There is not. It's maybe a little bit more uh, of a modern pull on it where we're kind of stacking coins and we think that we're stacking virtual and physical.
0: Nice. Let's see. Tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, with Coinstacks.
2: Well, I've always been interested in economics, and eventually I found my way into Austrian economics. And so I started learning about how these low interest rates are creating a lot of malinvestments in the economy and devaluing the dollar, and that led me to precious metals. And from precious metals, I learned about Bitcoin. And so at this point, I figured what better business to be in than either Bitcoin and precious metals. I figure my customers get what they need. I have precious metals on my end as well. And at least I'm not valuing my portfolio in fiat currency.
1: Mm -hmm, Nice. It's interesting that precious metals led you to a destination of Bitcoin, almost the way you described it. People speak of gold and silver as having intrinsic value. And that's been a, a, a sort of a standing question for the value of Bitcoin. What? Uh, how do you see those two going together? And do you see Bitcoin as potentially having intrinsic value now that you can buy gold and silver with it?
2: I think Bitcoin has intrinsic value whether or not you can buy gold or silver, to be honest. I think the intrinsic value of Bitcoin lies in its use as a protocol and the ability to transfer value or really trust in a system uh, through the public ledger. And so this is a way to transfer things universally across the world without trusting one another. Um, in in really seconds, and it's near indestructible. Mm -hmm. It can be divisible up to 100 million parts and more if the developers choose. I think that even if Bitcoin does not become a currency, which I do think it will, but if that does not happen, I think there is still a, a lot of value in the Bitcoin protocol as a payment processing system. I agree.
1: Now, when you say Bitcoin becoming a currency, you mean, because it is a currency now, you mean becoming a a sort of a universally adopted currency?
2: Right. Right. I guess I mean something like a money where everybody recognizes it and accepts it. And it's a universal uh, money rather than right now. I think I I believe in it long term. So don't take this the wrong way, but I think it's still limited. I think there's a lot of potential. We just haven't reached that yet.
0: Sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: So um, how long have you been in business well, we, I guess the LLC was formed last year, but we really only launched a month ago.
0: Okay, and it's you and um, you have business partners?
2: Right. I have, I have a developer and I have some people helping me on the support side, but it's a, it's a very small team and I actually myself take care of a lot of the business.
0: Okay, and have you uh, seen your business grow substantially since you started? Are you selling a lot of gold for Bitcoin? Do you also sell silver?
2: We sell gold and silver and actually we only accept Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. so all growth is attributable to Bitcoin. But um we have we have had some sales. It really the first one came through, I was really psyched and I thought, you know, it might be another two weeks till that happened. But we've had a couple come in and it's it's really exciting.
1: So it's really brand new.
2: Yeah, we're we're brand new. We're we're trying to get the word out a lot. I'm learning a lot about marketing and and Google AdWords. Um but I also a lot of what I've been doing for PRs is actually I have a showcase table at Bitcoin Center, New York, hmm. where I put out some of the precious metals and have people come by and we just chat about it. And I think that's really helped out a lot.
0: Oh, that's great. So uh, do you have plans to accept uh, other coins, uh, light coins, Doge coins, or doggy coins, as they say?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean. I don't know how you pronounce that, but we've we've heard it as Doge on our end. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard there's a processor out there who's now processing Litecoin and Dogecoin payments, so if we can work that out with the developer, I think that would definitely be on the table.
1: Does that mean you would have to go by robe as uh, as opposed to Rob? <laughs> <laughs> rob
2: Coin. I shouldn't maybe Rob Coin. coin. That. I like yeah.
1: it. So Rob, another question about uh, gold, silver, and bitcoins. Right. At the moment, you're accepting bitcoins to purchase gold and silver. Do you foresee mm-hmm. in the future potentially being able to uh, accept gold and silver to purchase bitcoins?
2: Absolutely. But um, actually, the reason we're doing it one way right now is because we wanted to get to launch as quickly as possible. And because of the way the laws are, I fall under a retailer exception in the AML compliance uh, regulations. So basically, that means that since I don't accept gold from or silver from the public in excess of $50,000 a year, I fall under this exception. And so I you know, I did a bunch of reading and and consulted with some people. And I think it's just it's easier to get started the way we are now. But since the interest is picking up, we can definitely foresee CoinStacks accepting gold and giving you back some Bitcoin. Wow.
0: On the subject of uh, regulations and KYC, know your customer and what is required uh, of companies such as yours by the feds. What do you do to make sure that you're in compliance? So let's say somebody wants to send you 50 bitcoins and they want to get that equivalent in gold mailed to them. What do they have to give you in addition to just the order, just the bitcoins? What else do you require of them?
2: Right. Well, that that again gets into a lot of these messy details and regulation. But because of our retailer status, we source all of our precious metals from AML compliant dealers. Mm -hmm. And that enables us to have a little less strict uh, rules on our end. But we still we have to take the names and addresses of our customers in order to ship them. Mm -hmm. And so we have that information. Of course, I mean, being a Bitcoin Advocate myself, that's something we keep very private and would never release to anybody. Um, but it is there in case of, of any needs as far as the uh, regulations go. Okay.
1: Yeah, Rob, I noticed something really interesting on your site. You were talking mm-hmm. about transaction reporting for CoinStacks. Right. And I'm going to read from it because I thought it's great. It sort of it, it almost had a little bit of a tongue in cheek quality. <laughs> um, it says, From your site directly, please note that the United States government does not require bullion retailers to report any transactions except for under the following circumstances— a, payment is made with more than $10,000 in cash, which we do not accept. This would require a Form 8300 filing. Note, this rule does not apply to payments made by BankWire. Or B, you are a drug dealer, terrorist, or otherwise in violation of the USA Patriot Act. <laughs> so clearly, that's going to steer away any uh, ne'er-do-wells from, from purchasing any gold
2: yeah, or silver from yeah, the site. It, and I think that's important nowadays. I mean, it's, it's, uh, Bitcoin is going mainstream, solely but surely. And we just, we don't want to deal with anybody who's not in it for the legitimate use right now. I mean, that's, that's where Bitcoin's real value is. And if you know, if you're a shady character, you're going to have to go somewhere else at the end of the day.
0: Well, I think that's great. Let me ask you though, let's say that I'm a shady character. Mm-hmm. No comment, Lidge. Let's say that I'm a shady character, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I want to buy some, I want to buy some gold with some bitcoins, but I don't really want anybody to find out. So I set up a fake PO box or something that links to another PO box, and I go through your site and I do all that. I've got a fake email and all this stuff. Is it possible for me, the shady character, to buy gold? from your site or from another site, gold or silver with Bitcoin, and have nobody know anything about where it's really going or who really ordered it? Is that possible? Not in that,
2: not in that scenario because we do not ship to P.O. Boxes. We only ship oh, man. to... Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> but uh, you're going to have to come up with a little more <laughs> steps, maybe have a fake identity and, you know, there's, of course there's always going to be bad actors who go to the ends of Earth to do these things, but you know, we're probably not going to be the first site you want to go to in that respect.
0: Right. And uh, as far as other sites that sell gold and silver, do you feel like you are the new kid on the block? I know there's, is it called a Maggi or Maji, how do you pronounce that? Metals. Yeah,
2: there's a Magi Metals. Maggi they're definitely Metals. Uh, the big dogs out there right now. Okay. Um, we love that site. We think uh, they're doing a, gr- a lot of great things, and and you know, it's it's weird when you get into the business, you see these guys, and and you think, oh, those are my competitors. But the truth is, we're all we're all having the same ideas here. We're all trying to get away from from these fiat currencies that are inflated and and really damaging the economy, mm-hmm. but. At the same time, of course, we have to differentiate ourselves. And so one thing that I think we do uh, probably best at Coinstacks is that we're focused on quick shipping and minima, minimal uh, shopping experience. So if you go to the site, you'll see it's, it's pretty clear cut. You, know, you have your items and everything's very simple. You can see all the prices. And when you buy it, I mean, we get it there within five shipping days. And we're actually bringing that down. And we only sell what's in stock. So you can't order something and then we'll tell you it's backlogged and you know, we keep telling you, Oh, two weeks, two weeks like Butterfly Labs, you know. <laughs> Good old Butterfly Labs. got
1: (laughs) Yeah, when I was taking a look at both the Amagi Metals site and the CoinStack site, I I did notice Amagi Metals seemed like you had to dig a lot deeper to find some answers. Um, Clearly, they probably um, are providing a deeper level of of purchasing experience at this point. Um, But CoinStacks was very simple and easy to to digest, and I knew exactly where to go and what what my options were. So I thought it was very well put together in that way.
2: Yeah, thank you. That's our goal right now.
0: So, you know, one thing that people might balk at is looking at your site versus Amagi Metals and saying, well, Amagi's been around a long time. In fact, mm-hmm. I think Amagi was selling online, selling gold and silver online before Bitcoin even came along, I believe. Oh, yeah. So they've, they've, been a, they've been a player in the gold and silver game for a long time. Someone might wonder, how can I trust CoinStacks? What do they have? If they're a startup, how do I trust them?
1: Yeah. How do you, how do you build trust in the community?
2: Yeah, I mean that's definitely something we're we're working with. But for example, I had somebody comment on BitcoinTalk.org recently, and I just got back to them yesterday actually, and it was a similar question. You know, that you have because we have higher minimums because we deal uh, we're dealing in volume and quick shipping. You know, how can I trust you on this first order? And that's a tough one. But what I did with that person is I PM'd or private messaged them, and I told them, look, maybe I can work something out as a special arrangement. We can deal this. I've had other orders, so. There's people out there, I just I would hate to say, hey, can you come vouch for me? Because then that also exposes them as somebody, you know, who maybe they don't want to release their personal information. So it's it's something that I'm I'm working on, but I mean I I'm visible in the scene. If if anybody's around the New York City Bitcoin scene, they'd probably run into me or they can find me at the Bitcoin Center. I don't plan on going anywhere.
0: You already have a reputation there in New York City. People know you, and they can find you easily. I, I think that's huge as far as people trusting you.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely helped. I mean, I'm I'm there every Monday, pretty much. Uh, you know, you know my name, so come by and say hi. I love the Bitcoin scene, so I get out there, and and I like to showcase the items. And it's kind of a twofold thing. I get to learn what's going on with you know. There's the Bit Devs Meetup. There's Bitcoin NYC Meetup with Jonathan Mohan. And it's just great to be involved and then also be able to tell people what I'm doing. So have you
1: thought about ways to build kind of an Amazon.com style review um, as a way to build trust in, in community with new Bitcoin startups?
2: Yeah, we do have a uh, a Yatpo. We're using Yatpo as our review system. You can see down at the bottom of the the orders. But we haven't. Uh, that's up to the customer right now. We don't incentivize feedback yet. We don't say anything like, hey, we'll give you 10% off. So so maybe that's the way to do that. I'm not sure. We're still kind of exploring the best ways to draw people in for giving feedback.
1: Can you spell YATPO for our listeners who might not know yeah. about it?
2: Yeah, Y-O-T-P-O. Because we're just looking for, for great ways to get started quickly. And these guys, they provide you with a free way to offer feedback reviews on your site.
1: That's great. So is it embedded in the site, but it's through their trusted platform?
2: Yeah, yeah. You'll find at the bottom of our product page, it list it there, but I think it actually uses their servers.
0: All right. So you mentioned minimums, your minimums versus Amagi Metals. They can have lower minimums because they can do more volume. What are mm-hmm. your minimums for gold and
2: silver? Right now, there are 100 ounces of silver or five ounces of gold. But once you meet one of those minimums, you can incrementally uh, increase either of the other metals. So, you, for example, you could buy 100 ounces of silver and one ounce of gold.
0: I see. Is there any point where a customer can buy less from you or do you still stick with that minimum? Do you see a time when that minimum will you know, decrease so someone could just buy an ounce of gold and a couple of
2: ounces of silver from you? Actually, right now, we do not have any special arrangements as far as repeat customers, but it's definitely a plan to reduce the minimums in the future. I think right now that helps us get started as far as keeping the promise of the quick shipping. Mm-hmm. And because we're also, you know, the new kids on the block, it's 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 tough to get some of these arrangements in place without doing some volume. So, so that's currently our business model, but I definitely see a time when we can reduce those minimums. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, did we answer the question of how does a transaction work on CoinStacks?
2: No, we did not, but it's pretty simple. It's just through BitPay. And they've been pretty great. One thing I did learn is that they sweep funds at the end of the day and it's an ACH transfer. So I know this program's been helpful to me at least in hearing other people's experience. So anybody who hasn't used BitPay, it's it's pretty simple.
1: And so did did you choose that over other merchant applications, like CoinDays, yeah. for example?
2: Coinbase was an option, but our shopping cart did not support their API at the time. And BitPay has been around, I think, a little longer than Coinbase and used pretty easily. And then also because we're a high revenue but lower premiums business, we actually have profit margins very similar to retail, which is quite low. I could you know, foresee ourselves doing more business and then needing lower fees. And so BitPay is actually better with that because you can pay... Thirty dollars a month, and it's it's just a flat fee. Whereas Coinbase, I know they offer you in the beginning for your first million dollars in revenue, free transactions. But afterwards, it becomes one percent. So I, I don't want to reach that point too quickly, then have to rearrange everything. Right.
1: And again, both these options are ones that you would select because they offer immediate Bitcoin to cash transaction.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how Coinbase does it as far as. Uh, When they transfer and everything, but what's cool about BitPay is that you can set how much of the the value you want denominated in dollars versus Bitcoin. So currently, we actually keep 1% in in Bitcoins because we are long uh, positioned.
1: So I wanted to ask you some more questions about gold, silver, and Bitcoin and how they correlate in terms of price charts and history in the markets. You know, Mm -hmm. for example, um, gold saw a real spike in 2011, and then again, yeah, I think that was in April and then again in August and September and, and silver saw the same thing, but then the, the second spike wasn't quite as high in August and September. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Bitcoin has had a couple of spikes over the last year, and they, they also seem to follow that kind of double peak tendency. And I, I wondered mm-hmm. if you had any explanations for how that all works or how those kind of history price charts correlate.
2: Well, I actually think that although the parts look similar, I think we're going through much different phenomena. In the gold and silver market, we've been in a bull run for 12 years, and then we had an off year, right? We, we finally had a losing year. And that's expected. Any commodity that goes up that long is due for correction. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice that what's cool about silver is silver is a little more volatile. And you know when it's going down, it's a little worse, right? You lose more. But when it's going up, you'll see it actually goes up more. And I think that's because if you notice throughout history, over hundreds of years of, of data, you'll see that gold to silver ratio reaches a 16 to 1 Price valuation. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're more in like the 60s. So gold is is way more expensive than silver in a in a historical sense. And I think that's um, that's what we're going to see. I actually I expect silver to outperform gold in the long run. And I think that we're also very near a bottom in the precious metals markets. Uh, given that, I mean, if, if the price of gold goes under a thousand dollars, which is production costs for 30% of the industry, we're going to see massive supply shortages. As far as Bitcoin goes, I think we're also hopefully near a bottom. I I think we're going to see reversals soon. And I think um, anybody who's interested in the Bitcoin charts or anything, I think needs to look at the S curve, which is the curve that explains the adoption of technologies and also populations. You'll see that, it goes exponential for a while. I mean, everyone points at it and says, "Oh, that's easily seen as a bubble." But this is the first time we've seen a technology come out and it's instantly valued. Right? We saw Facebook come out and Twitter come out, but it didn't have a value attached to it that was public and easily digestible.
1: Right, it just had but, adoption.
2: Right, and usage. right. And and the adoption when it went up, I mean, Facebook went through turmoil, and so did Twitter. You know, people left it, joined it. Uh, maybe Facebook got sued by MySpace or whoever. And you know, it wasn't a clean cut straight to the top billions of dollars valuation. But with Bitcoin, we see every little pitfall, every stumble, everything in the market that's going to beat it down and then raise it up again. And I think over the long run, we're going to see Bitcoin. Really succeed, but it's not going to be without these wild swings on the way.
1: And have you seen, uh, you know, people describe Litecoin as being the silver to Bitcoin. Have you seen that same kind of 16 to 1 valuation going on between those two currencies?
2: Right. I, I think that there is a lot of call for the theoretical valuation of Litecoin being, say, one fourth the value of Bitcoin. But I don't think you can compare that to the gold and silver market because Litecoin is really very similar technology. I understand that the algorithm is different, the uh mining algorithm and that prevents it from other things. But silver it cannot be copied, whereas Litecoin can literally be copied. And so we saw Dogecoin come around and I think Dogecoin took a pretty big bite out of Litecoin myself. I mean, look (laughs) at Google Trends and you'll see the... Come on,
1: say it. Say doggy coin.
2: (laughs) Doggy (laughs) coin, whatever you want to call it. It came and did its thing. And, you know, Litecoin maybe took a little bit of a fall on that. So I don't think that we're going to see the, the definite same kind of valuations in Litecoin to Bitcoin as historically we have seen With gold and silver.
0: I think another thing is that when you look at gold and silver, you have silver now currently used in so many technologies in the medical industry, Mm -hmm. obviously in electronics and solar panels. So many more uses for silver than there are for gold. You can clearly say that silver has much more utility in the real world than does gold, right? And certainly you cannot say the same thing about. Uh, litecoins versus bitcoins so far, anyway, and I don't, I don't think you'd ever be able to say that there are faster transaction times, right, with Litecoin. But other than that, I don't see that it has a greater utility than Bitcoin or that it ever could. It, right now, I think Litecoin is going to continue to do really well because people can buy a single Litecoin. What's what are they at today? I don't know. I haven't even looked. It's like fourteen dollars or something like that. Yeah. So any, almost anybody could buy, um, at least in the West, at least in developed countries, almost anybody could buy a Litecoin or you know, half a dozen Litecoins and feel like they had something in their portfolio where I think people are still afraid of Bitcoins. When I talk with people, they say, well, I can't afford a Bitcoin. It's 600 <laughs> or or $1,000. And I always say to him, well, you know, you don't have to. You can just buy $10. Yeah. Or like Andreas Antonopoulos says, his buying strategy is I buy on Mondays. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. And I love that. So, yeah, I think that there is a correlation, I think a loose correlation or a loose analogy between bitcoins, litecoins, gold and silver. Uh, I think one way that you can separate these two where the analogy really falls apart, in my opinion, is the whole idea. And tell me what you think about this, the whole idea of gold and silver being suppressed.
2: Right. Now, there's there's been a lot of talk about that. I mean, it, it's been considered more of a conspiracy theory for a while, but to follow our Twitter, it's at coin, S-T-A-X. And we actually just posted some tweets that, that had some articles around the net. And I think Bloomberg just released a study that shows that there could be some market manipulation. And to a lot of the people who said it for so long, it's like a no-duh moment. Uh, we've seen LIBOR and all these other markets being manipulated. Why not gold, which is real money and silver, of course. But I think uh, it's, it's interesting that it, some of this stuff is actually coming to light.
1: I love that. I'm so tired of hearing about aha moments. I'm so glad you just coined the no-duh moment.
0: <laughs>
2: you coined
0: a no-duh. That was good. Oh,
2: boy. The punnage is everywhere.
0: Uh, you know, man, I've uh, I've read a lot about silver over the past couple of years, and that's, that's actually mm-hmm. what— uh, like you mentioned, that's actually what brought me to Bitcoin, or how I first heard about Bitcoin. And I've read a lot about the idea of the price of silver being suppressed. And I'm fairly convinced that there's enough evidence out there to say with certainty that there is. We certainly know when it comes to um, gold and silver ETFs, we certainly know that there's a lot more paper, (laughs) paper gold and silver floating around out there and people who actually think that they own the gold and silver than there is actual gold and silver being held by those companies. And then you have, countries asking other countries, hey, can we get our gold back now? Will you ship it over? <laughs> and and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not and I think there's some still some cases where, you know, it hasn't been shipped but it was supposed to be shipped. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at Germany. Germany uh just just recently asked for its money back, for its gold back. Right. <laughs> and we told them, "Okay, well, can't do it yet, but give us 7 years and we'll get it to you." But, oh, we have to melt it down first and reform it, and we're late on the shipment. Sorry. Um, There's a lot of that. And then also, I think you spoke a little bit about the ETFs. I mean – yeah, I, I don't think that's even hidden. You look at the books and it's just there's way more paper than there is physical. And this is one of the reasons I got into the physical business is that, you know, the whole time I'm, I'm helping other people get their own physical gold and silver. I, I'm keeping a lot of it myself. And that's the only time you ever know that you really own something is when you hold it. Same with Bitcoin. If you don't have your Bitcoin in cold storage, as Mt. Gox has just shown us, then you don't actually own your Bitcoin. Right. Somebody yeah. else owns that Bitcoin. That's and, so and important. I think it is. It is. We're we're in a defining moment where you can either educate yourself and and hold some of your own money or you're going to you're going to leave that responsibility to somebody you don't know.
1: Yeah, and I just wanted to reiterate based on what you said about Germany and uh and collecting their gold is um that Coinstacks delivers gold a lot faster than seven years, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, it's it's an easy benchmark, but yes, we definitely do that. Oh, nice. (laughs) Maybe maybe Germany should come to us next time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, then there's the whole subject of uh, Fort Knox, you know, is the gold really there? I think you've had some senators or congressmen wanting to audit Fort Knox. We want to see the gold. And so I think they what, take them in there and they have to stand at the door and they can look in and they say, hey, there, there's the gold. And you know, they, they bring one bar over and they let them hold it. Oh boy, this <laughs> is really heavy. And they let them you know, take a little scraping from it, take it back to the lab or something like that. But what you see in the distance there in the vault, who knows what that is, man, it could be a hologram, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, yeah. Could, it could be anything gold plated. How are you going to know, right? So is the gold in Fort Knox? What do you think, man?
2: You know, I I don't know whether it's Fort Knox or Mount Gox. I, I don't know in either of those situations whether we really have it. But I'll tell you one thing: it, it doesn't look good the way they're 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 so stingy with it, the way, you know what you just mentioned and the Germany banks. I mean, just just show us the gold, right? Yeah,
1: I like that. was was hologram a pun there, John? Oh man, a hologram of gold there.
0: No, it wasn't. But man, I love your, you had us dying over here. We're having to, having to to stop uh, laughing so hard to let you talk. But man, that was, that was great. Whether it's uh, Fort Knox or Mount Gox, that's just great stuff, man. I, you know, I say, no, it's not in Fort Knox. You know, there are plenty of great people that work for the federal government. And then there's just a bunch of goons, you know, and there's just a bunch of crooks
2: and everybody knows that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how popular things like house of cards are and everything. I think a lot of these watching it. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a great show. And it, you know, it's not, I'm not saying these, all of those things really happen, but it really just shows you how easy the system allows these deceitful actions to happen. Like, you know, not letting us audit our own fed or our own Fort Knox. Right. I mean, that should be, we're plain to see.
0: Yeah, it's criminal. I mean, are these people employees? Are they employed by the American people or are they ruling over the American people? And if they're ruling over the American people, then... Well, House of Cards, it needs to fall or it needs to be <laughs> toppled, right? I mean, somehow.
1: Well, one thing I can guarantee you is that House of Cards is very entertaining. So the, the idea <laughs> yes, of that, that kind of stuff going on behind the scenes is certainly makes for great television.
0: Well, I'm going to add a plug for the, all the people out there who don't even have a television. Um, I am one of those people. I do not have a television. I have no interest in television. I regard it as a an idiot box. My mother used to refer to it as the idiot box, the boob tube, the boob tube. The boob exactly. Tube. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just don't watch it. So, you know, people bring up these references to the, I remember going on a date with this girl a couple of years ago and she mentioned something, ah, ha, ha, but like the Kardashians. And I'm thinking, is that a country? I don't know about Kardashian. <laughs> yeah? I mean, I really, a, isn't that a sweater material? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had no idea what she was talking about. Kardashians. But, uh, so, so many things that people are talking about these days are, are referring to television shows. And so, man, I'm just, you know, I'm not a legend, yeah, well, but I'm in. I'm, I am in the past, living in the past a little bit, I guess.
2: Isn't I, that a bit like uh, Brave New World, where everyone has so much going on that they're not they're ignoring the real underlying fundamentals of what's going on? I mean, we hear about Beaver, but where's where's uh, where's the gold, man?
1: <laughs> Too much soma. <laughs> yeah, that's so. The problem. So the question I have for you, of course, Rob, is: Has Kevin Spacey come to your site to uh, buy any <laughs> with any Bitcoin to purchase gold or silver yet?
2: I can't release that information, you know that. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's right. You can't release it. Well said. That's well good. <laughs> so if I
0: wanted to buy gold from CoinStacks, and I wanted to buy less, th- and I wanted to buy $11,000 worth of gold, I could? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If I buy $11,000 worth, You've got to report uh, the transaction. Then. Yeah, over 10000 You
2: have to report it, right? Right. I mean, that is the idea. If it's above $10,000, then we're okay. going to report it. But again, that's... That's something that's normal in any precious metals industry right. that you go to.
0: So, Rob, tell us a little bit about what kind of gold you sell bullion, you sell bricks of it, do you sell uh, <laughs> Do you sell ingots. Uh, ingots, you sell coins?
2: Right. So, so we're still, since we're such a fresh uh, launch, we are still rolling out new products all the time. But currently we have our best-selling gold item is American Gold Eagle which comes into one ounce for us. And then we also have Perth Mint Bars in one ounce. Mm -hmm. And we just added Kruger Ants for the the gold uh, market. And then on the silver side, we have some U.S. Mint coins, or we have uh, American Silver Eagle, we have generic mints, so we have the Buffalo, we have sunshine mint bars. So we have some generics and we have some, some actual coins from government mints, but we're, we're still adding a lot of products all the time.
0: Have you ever seen that uh, Andrew Jackson silver one ounce coin? You know,
2: I, is that from Silver Bullets or whatever that outfit is? Man, I don't remember. I bought one
0: a long time yeah. ago, and I don't know if I still have it or not. But it has his famous quote on there: when the uh, central bank was trying to take over the U.S. banking system, and he said, mm-hmm. you know, something like, "By God, I will rout you out." <laughs> something, something <laughs> you like. You or something? Yeah, like you that, serpents. Right? By God, I will rout you out. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's great. I, I, I want to start offering some more unique coins with some nice characteristics. So. I'll definitely look out for the Andrew Jackson. Maybe maybe I'll let you know when we get that.
0: Cool. there's so many great coins out there and you know I uh, I love the one ounce coins and uh, all the great art engravings that were done to make those and then of course I still love the American coins the the dimes the quarters the half dollars right. um, the silver dollars and just you know there were so many great designs and they're still so collectible I think it's still a great store of value for people it's not just uh, that it's silver right but it's also that you you have a piece of antiquity and you know when we when we saw the silver Overpriced spike, what um, last year, uh, or you know, over the years when it happened in the eighties, what mm-hmm. happened was you had millions of people all over the country, all over the world, taking their old American and you know whatever country you're in. I'm referring to America because that's where we are. Had had millions of people taking billions of American coins in selling them and then what do coin shops do they send them to refineries they get melted down and it's it's really sad in a lot of ways i remember hearing an interview with a guy about how many they were taking in they had such a volume he had a coin store And as the price of silver went up and up and up, there were so many people coming in and selling that he tried to go through them. He and his employees tried to go through all of them to see, you know, some of these might be collectible, right, might have numismatic value. He said it got to the point where we had so many coming in and we had to get them to the refinery so quickly while the price was high because we were afraid it was going to crash that Mm -hmm. he said we have no idea the coins, the value of the coins, the rare coins that just went to the refinery and got melted.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm personally, I invest for the the investment grade bullion. I think that's really where your money is. But you are you're so correct. When you when you find a nice looking coin or or something that's older, and you know you just think about all the people that pass it around, and and it's still worth the same thing. You know, you can still buy the same amount of gasoline in it because it's made of real money. Right. It's it's just something different to it, and it's a shame that we've lost that in in the money that we can spend at stores right now. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely something to look out for. I, I certainly have my own quarters and dimes before 1965. Oh yeah, pre what is nineteen sixty four and before, right? Yeah, I think that's when it's ninety percent silver. That's
0: right, man. You got you got to love that, right? I love those silver coins. Yeah, they're great. I just wish I had more of them. <laughs> well, I can help you. <laughs> oh, that's right. You can help. You you sell silver <laughs> coins. Also, we've been talking with Rob Michael, the owner of CoinStacks. Rob, that was a great interview. Lidge and I have had a great time talking with you, and uh, we hope to do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, Rob, yeah. it's great great to have you on the show. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Definitely uh, let me know next time I'll swing by.
1: Um, can you tell our listeners how they can go about finding you? Uh, you'd listed Twitter before and, and your site.
2: Right. So the website, it's uh, CoinStax.com. And it's CoinStax.com. It's also the same for Twitter is Coinstacks. And then if you want to follow just me, you can always find me on Twitter at Rob A. Michael.
1: Okay, great. Thanks so much, Rob. I'm looking forward to purchasing my first gold and silver <laughs> at some point soon.
0: I'm gonna do it, Rob. You have two new customers right here, John and Lidge. <laughs> Thanks a million, man.
2: All right, thank you guys.
1: All right, good luck with everything.
2: All right, bye. Bye.
1: Cheers. <laughs>
0: So Lidge and I just got back from the Bitcoin conference in Austin, Texas. We had a great time there. What do you think, Lidge? It was fantastic. We spoke to so many
1: intelligent people doing all kinds of cool stuff with Bitcoin.
0: That's right. And uh, what are we going to do now? Give a little teaser for the next couple of shows?
1: Yeah, we got so much content in two days that it's going to be rolling out over the next couple of shows, but we wanted to let everybody have a little sample of what's to come.
0: All right, let's do it.
1: Okay, so John and I have just arrived at the Texas Bitcoin Conference. And the first table we came up to is a table called Broker. I think, am I saying that properly?
0: Yeah, we call it Broker.com, yeah.
1: I'm Richard Forsyth. I'm the CEO of Allerton, Inc. We're here with Andreas Antonopoulos. Antonopoulos,
0: yes. You got it right the first time. Yeah, thank you so much. Lidge and I are thrilled to be talking to Anthony DiOrio here at the... Austin Bitcoin Conference uh, Anthony welcome to the show I'm glad to be here thank
2: you
1: i'm here again at the um, Texas Bitcoin Conference and i'm here with Jason King and we've decided he's he's generously agreed to conduct an interview by going for a run with me yeah let's see how long uh, talking and running works out yeah well so <laughs> i'm with you it's a little bit tricky sometimes to talk
3: my name is kelly neal i'm the founder of crypto women
0: lidge and i are here at the bitcoin conference in austin texas and we are here talking right now with kyle kerbegovich of CoinTalk. kyle welcome to the show how's it going all right how are you thank you for bringing me on
1: so hi, how you doing? This is Lid Shaw from Bitcoins and Gravy. You guys have mybtc.cc, is that correct?
0: Yes, sir. My name's John Jensen, and and uh, it's nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you, John. Okay, here we go. We're about to unveil the CoinBob ATM. And we're Today we're
3: unveiling for the first time CoinBob, the branded CoinVault ATM that will be traveling to your city soon.
1: So stay tuned over the next couple of shows as John and I bring you more Bitcoins and gravy from the Texas Bitcoin Conference. We'll see you there.
0: Today on the show, Lidge and I are very pleased to welcome Matt Einhaber of Vista Abstract, a title company out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Matt, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about your business and how you came to start accepting Bitcoins?
3: Sure. Uh, We're a title agency and a title company. So we manage transactions for real estate. We had a lot of purchases for both commercial and residential real estate. I was a little bit of a latecomer to Bitcoin. Honestly, I I sort of started learning in late 2013, early 2014, December, January, um, and was, you know, kind of caught on pretty quickly. And just, I got it. I mean, I I understood the potential for cryptocurrency instead of Reading the news clippings and the um, the sound bites from from news stories, I actually learned a little bit about the technology um, and what the possibilities were. And um, the opportunity presented itself for me to go to Miami. Uh, just of worked out. In I guess that was in January. There was a conference going on, so I, I uh, went down there and met a bunch of people and learned a lot very quickly. And that kind of was a good crash course. I realized that the truth is that there is no means to accept Bitcoin for the purchase of real estate. At that time, in early January, there were a few brokers, real estate brokers, um, who were getting some PR and kind of marketing the fact that they will accept Bitcoin for real estate transactions. But it really isn't, um, it's sort of a false setup. It's really really not true. Real estate brokers themselves, and, and most people don't necessarily understand this about the transaction, but real estate brokers don't accept any money from buyers. Real estate brokers just take a commission. And the commission is typically paid to them by a title company or, in some states, an escrow attorney. And the money sort of passes through that intermediary the title company and the escrow attorney. So, you know, they, real estate brokers say, yeah, I'll take Bitcoin for payment of my commission. But buyers aren't paying real estate brokers anything uh, in any currency. So it really doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean anything uh, for the, you know, to affect the buyer's ability to actually buy property with Bitcoin or any currency for that matter, uh, the title company is is the entity that really has to accept Bitcoin or that currency. So we looked into it and ways to protect ourselves um, because there are, you know, rules, regulations and good practices in this business that we have to be careful of. um, And we put together a way in which we can uh, solve all those problems. In fact, we're the first opportunity for a buyer to actually buy real estate using Bitcoin and paying for it with Bitcoin. Uh, You know, there's no other way to do that. If a seller says, oh, sure, I'll take Bitcoin, that would only work if a buyer is going to pay the seller directly to purchase the property, which generally is not done because the purpose of title insurance is to ensure a buyer that they're getting what they believe that they're getting. That's why the title company is the intermediary in the first place, and that's why we're doing what we're doing.
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. Basically, as a middleman or as an intermediary, you guys are able to allow the buyer to get Bitcoin to the seller, which they couldn't do before. They couldn't do it directly because they would have still had to use a title company to perform the entire transaction and to coordinate all the moving parts.
3: Correct. Yeah, and this part really has to do more with understanding the fundamentals of the real estate transaction in the U.S. and in a lot of other countries. I've spoken to some people in the Bitcoin community who don't necessarily understand that. And the immediate reaction is, you know, from kind of hardcore Bitcoin enthusiasts as well, and that's the whole point of Bitcoin is to eliminate financial intermediaries. And I agree. Title companies don't want to be the financial intermediary. That became the system at a necessity. The point of title insurance is to ensure that the buyer is getting what they believe that they're getting. You know, How do you know that the seller is actually the seller of the property? How do you know that they are how they say they are? How do you know that they don't have, you know, you're buying a property and you're paying X for it? How do you know that they don't have mortgages or liens or judgments against them, you know, that are attached to the property don't go away with the transfer of ownership? So that's really the system. And, and because of that, the title company has become the entrusted intermediary to receive all the money. Um, from the lenders, the lenders that are lending a mor- you know money for a mortgage on a property, that's going to give the money to the buyer and say, okay, go ahead, we help you do the right thing and don't run off of their money. Title companies don't really make money or do any revenue from that portion of the job, but that is the highest risk portion of, of a title company and the title agency and an escrow attorney is the management of that money. That's where the most can go wrong and the, you know, the highest liability exists. Um, but we don't necessarily get paid for those services in some states, but in most cases, we really don't. We get paid for um, the work we do to you know to ensure that there's the buyer is getting clean and marketable title, um, that they're getting the property they believe they're getting without any other means, judgments, et cetera. I see. Um, You know, so title companies would love to get out of that process. And I think that cryptocurrency, maybe in the future, could be a road to doing that.
1: So uh, what's interesting to me is that while trust is built into the system of Bitcoin for doing the financial transaction or for the for the currency to be transacted, in a real estate transaction, you still have to have, uh, you can't really have anonymity purely between the buyer and the seller. Um, and so, you know, the title company is able to enable a trust element in that transaction right there between the two people involved.
3: Exactly. Yeah, you really can have the anonymity because, like I said, if you if a portable product, you buy anything, a car, a chair, a pan, a table... It doesn't really matter who you're buying it from. And that's it. It's your thing. It's not practical for them to come back and get it. It's not practical for anybody else to attach any kind of linear judgment to it. And that's it. Right. Um, but real estate is different. And we're not, you know, people think of real estate as a building. That's really, that is nothing. We don't insure buildings. We insure the land. You know, it's a piece of land. Right. Um, and that land is importable. And that land, it's very, so because of the nature of land, it's very easy for debtors and creditors to attach to land. and mm-hmm. that is what they do: uh, mortgages, judgments, liens, etc. So, yeah, it's really not. Real estate can't be an anonymous transaction, and and frankly, as a buyer, you wouldn't want it to be an anonymous transaction. To a degree, you need at least you want that trusted intermediary, to, you know, to to say, yeah, we're ensuring you. We, we, here's a policy. We guarantee you that. Nothing's going to pop up from some shady seller or something you didn't expect. And if it does, you have recourse.
0: Let's say I'm going to sell my house to Lidge, and I want to some way use... Bitcoin for the transaction. Let's say I want a certain percentage of what I'm going to put out in closing costs or whatever, instead of taking money out of my pocket or out of my bank account, I want to use some Bitcoin. So walk us through exactly how that would happen, whether I had a realtor or not, maybe two different scenarios, if it changes anything at all.
3: Um, yeah. The realtor position, they're sales reps right. and there's a place for a realtor because sure. you know, buyers and sellers aren't motivated themselves and You know, things need to get sold, but they're sales reps, and and that's really all that they are. And they collect commission from being sales reps, and they really don't have much or anything to do with the with the details of the actual transaction, which in real estate is is quite complex. So the way that would happen is you find a title company that accepts Bitcoin, which is us, just abstract, because there is no other title company at this point, that accepts Bitcoin and, and understands hmm. it the way that we do. So we would essentially, like any other transaction, we would go through the process and, you know, do research on your property and the seller and make sure that it's clear of judgment claims, et cetera, any mortgages or anything that needs to get paid off, utilities, judgments, whatever, um, we would prepare to pay those off out of the seller's proceeds like any other transaction. Um, and then like things time to settle, whether you're paying for it in cash and in, you know, not getting a mortgage or you were, um, you know, or you were getting a mortgage and you, there was some money that you had to bring to the table, you know, uh, for closing costs and, and your down payment, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to bring some money to the table. So obviously the mortgage lender is not going to lend you money in Bitcoin. They're going to lend you u s dollars, and they're going to send that money to us, to the title company. Um, and that's, that's kind of how it works. Um, when it comes time to fund that loan on the day of settlement, what we would say to you, a day of settlement, we get instructions from the lender. We fill out, you know, uh, our settlement statement and, and we reach out to you and say, okay, here you go. This is what's owed at settlement. Low us $25,862.43, whatever it is. U.S. Mm-hmm. dollars. Um, and so we are, we're utilizing a payment processor. So we, you can go online to a secured site of ours. Our site is vistaabstract.com, but there's a portion of it that's set up for payment. Um, it gives you a live transfer rate essentially to BTC. Um, and you can use that portal to pay us in BTC and send Bitcoin directly to us. Uh, that would be the equivalent of the U.S. dollars that you know that are due, and that's it. So once you click yes, send that BTC. You know, if there's a change in the market, it, you're not affected by that. You're essentially guaranteed that that are locked in um, as long as that transaction you know goes through that moment. And that's
1: it. So for now, you're basically setting up a system where a buyer who has Bitcoins to spend could potentially use that for a down payment on a home or purchase a home outright. But once it reaches you guys, it's going to be converted to U.S. dollars. And then the seller is going to probably receive U.S. dollars. Do you have some situations where you have a, a seller who's interested in receiving Bitcoin for a property?
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The seller, if the seller wants to receive Bitcoin, they're welcome to receive Bitcoin, and we're happy to transfer that Bitcoin to any of the people who need to disperse. And that happens most, more commonly, obviously, with sellers. There are sellers out there that are happy to receive the Bitcoin. So, yes, you know, the challenges in this industry, when we disperse a file and we, you know, we act as that intermediary, there may be 10, 15, 20 parties that we need to disperse funds to. Um, You know, local taxing authorities who are paying off a mortgage and maybe paying it down judgments or liens. We're paying sellers, we're paying real estate agents commissions, um, you know, the list goes on. Sometimes there's recording of documents. So all those parties tend to not take Bitcoin. So, But sellers, yeah, if there's a seller out there and there have been, you know, want their proceeds in Bitcoin we're happy to not convert it to U.S. dollars and transfer it along in Bitcoin.
0: Is there any confusion between U.S. dollar and Bitcoin when it comes to the down payment? And my second question would be, um, do you all have anything to do with any escrow money that could be paid in Bitcoin?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no confusion because we're using a payment processor. You know, obviously, you don't need a payment processor to send or receive Bitcoin, but... Because of the nature of the transaction, because we need to, we have disbursements that have to happen immediately in U.S. dollars. We've, you know, we've taken on using a payment processor, and um, and they are, you know, they they're pretty good and experienced, and they guarantee, you know, once we lock in, once our buyer goes online and locks in that price, it sends the there's a, there's a conversion calculator right there that's in real time. So once they lock that in and send that Bitcoin that's equivalent to the U.S. dollars that are needed, done. That's locked in and guaranteed, and we'll receive that money.
1: And who is the payment processor that you're using now?
3: We're using uh, Coinbase.
1: And now, so as you explained, this is all pretty brand new for you guys, having just come from the Miami conference in January. Have you had some people that have been interested yet?
3: We have. We have had some people that are interested. We've been talking to some people around the country, um, some sellers and some buyers as well, and some attorneys for that matter, um, who, you know, who have clients and who, do essentially what we do. Um, we've, you know, we've also spoken with other title companies who um, want who are intrigued and interested that would rather sort of partner with us um, because they just don't understand and know enough about it. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, we're becoming sort of the central, you know. Um, pieces of information here in the industry for uh, you know being able to affect transactions in Bitcoin, which is fine by
1: us. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak with you, and uh, a lot of fantastic insights into real estate and Bitcoin and how the future of what that holds.
3: Thanks, gentlemen. I look forward to it too. Appreciate it.
1: Good luck with everything. Thanks, Matt. We hope you enjoyed today's show with Rob Michael of coinstacks.com and Matt Einhaber from Vista Abstract. To find out more, visit our show notes at letstalkbitcoin.com. Thanks so much for listening. We greatly appreciate your time and attention.
0: Hey Lidge, let's also give a special thanks to our friends in Southern California listening in on station KCAA 1050 AM. Tune in Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific time to hear new episodes of Bitcoins and Gravy. And make sure to catch more great shows from the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network airing all week right here on KCAA 1050 AM or download the podcast from Let's Talk Bitcoin.com.
1: Listeners can find our show notes at let'stalkbitcoin.com as well as our tipping addresses there. And you can also check out the full cast of Let's Talk Bitcoin shows that includes Mad Money Machine, Sex and Science Hour, Ed and Ethan's Bitcoin Report, and of course, Let's Talk Bitcoin. If you have questions or comments, please email us at bitcoinsandgravy at gmail.com.
0: And remember that Lidge and I will be bringing you lots of conversations over the next couple of weeks from our trip out west to the Texas Bitcoin Conference, where we talked with some of the frontline visionaries from the Bitcoin community. Thanks to Adam B. Levine and the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network, who gave us the opportunity to attend the conference.
1: And we are now offering the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. Call us at 615-208-5198 and leave us a message with your comments or questions. That's 615-208-5198 on the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. Tell us what you like or where we can improve. It's your reviews that help new listeners discover all the shows on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. And it's your generous tips that allow us to create the show. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. And you've been listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee.